If you're looking for inspiration and challenge in the world of early years and Key Stage 1 education, then you've just found it. Welcome to the Early Excellence Podcast. Just a couple of things to tell you about before we get started on this week's episode of the Early Excellence Podcast. Um, On our website at earlyexcellence.com, there are some great recorded webinars and two of them fit with what we're talking about this week in the podcast. Uh, We've got one called Exploring Subitizing, the power of knowing how many there are, and another one called Building Mathematicians, Exploring Shape, Space and Measures in the EYFS. We will put the link in the uh, in the bio bit or when you where you find your podcast so that you'll be able to click on the link and go straight to it and find out more information. Also, featuring on our podcast episode this week, we've got Jude Twani and Jude has written a book with Michael Jones that's called Let's Talk About Maths. If you're interested in getting yourself a copy of Jude's book, and I would certainly recommend it, um, then follow the link that we will put within the bio to the podcast. Hello, everybody. I hope you're well. My name's Andy Burt. I work for Early Excellence as a curriculum consultant. Uh, Welcome along to episode 19 of the Early Excellence podcast. Uh, This week on the podcast, we have a recorded piece by my colleague Jude Twani here at Early Excellence. Um, She's recorded a piece for us all about effective mathematics in the EYFS. Um, it's a really interesting piece, so well worth listening into. Um, as part of the piece, Jude stresses the importance of threading mathematical thinking through your practice, about observing and interacting with children, and about the importance of real-life experiences relating to mathematics. So lots to think about here. Okay, so here you go. The fabulous Jude Twani talking all about mathematical musings. One day, I was introduced as an early years maths expert and imposter syndrome flooded my system. You see, at school, maths was a constant mystery to me. I'd have to take home endless work on fractions in the hope that one day I would understand it. My maths teacher told me as I walked out of my O-level maths exam that he'd already put me on the list for the resit, which I didn't need to do as I achieved a B. And once in a school inset day on maths as a teacher, I sat and displayed high anxiety, yes, and sweating palms, churning stomach. And yes, I cried when I couldn't understand the problem we were meant to solve. It was that experience that drove me to ensure that no child would ever leave my class feeling like a mathematical failure. And it eventually led me to writing and delivering training around early years maths so that others could grow in confidence around teaching maths to young children. So here's just a few of my own ponderings about how we can approach maths in the early years. First, Firstly, 
thread mathematical thinking through all areas of provision. In other words, don't just think about maths in the maths area. Look for those opportunities everywhere in your classroom. For example, arrange your resources in size order so that they're constantly exposed to comparative language from the biggest to the smallest, from the longest to the shortest. Use some stuck-on shadowing on the shelves using that sticky plastic so children can match the resource to its shadow, which reinforces that important relationship between a two-dimensional shape and its three-dimensional shape. And where appropriate, start to use numerals to indicate how many resources there there are in a pot or a tray. For example, four rolling pins or six pencils. Obviously, we're keeping our resources minimalist. Uh, We don't want a basket of 35 pencils to have to count in every day. But having that pot of six pencils supports one-to-one correspondence. It encourages simple calculation. So if there's only five pencils in the pot, they recognise there's one missing and go looking for it. So those are just a few thoughts around threading that thinking in all our areas of provision. Second point is to spot the maths that's happening as children play. A well-planned environment is essential because we'll have done the thinking about what we expect to see happen and then we can go and watch and ask ourselves, is this happening? So observe and interact with the children as they play. Notice specifically the maths that's taking place. What patterns are they creating? How do they arrange and sort their resources? When it comes to tidy up, are they able to organise and sort? What type of language are they using to describe what they're doing? Positional language is best spotted as they play rather than in a formal teaching context. Have a look at the marks and the drawings that they make that reveal some sort of mathematical understanding. Are they doing what could look like tallies, little lines to indicate the amount of things? Number three, keep maths real as much as possible. I think part of my problem was I couldn't understand why I would need to learn fractions or why I would need to use a slide rule. It didn't relate. And I'm a strong believer in relating our maths teaching to as much real life experience so that children can gain meaning and receive a sense of purpose about what they do. So a couple of examples was self-registration. Children registering on a 10 square or on a bar chart. Uh, voting for the book they want at the end of the day. I've seen this done very successfully. A little table, two books laid out, and then children have got to vote for which one they want, either using Lego blocks or whatever. Have real working clocks at child height so that you can point to the time, talk about time regularly. In your home corner, Equip it with maths resources that they might see at home and be familiar with. Things like a timer in the kitchen, a calendar on the wall, a couple of sizes of measuring jug, 
some scales, kitchen scales, bathroom scales, a measuring tape so they can measure uh, how much wallpaper might be needed. They can measure the size of things. So keep maths as real as possible. Number four, never forget the power of a song. Uh, this is one of my favourites as a, a singer, a musician myself. Sing everything. I used to pick my guitar up and constantly be singing with my children at school. It was a great way to scare off some important visitor who might be coming to look at what I was doing. I'd pick my guitar up and invite them to join in. Uh, not necessarily a recommendation, uh, but never forget the power of a song. Create a list of songs that are mathematical and teach them throughout the year. And think about if you've got a nursery, um, well, how are they different songs and how are they built on into reception? So we've got a bit of a progression around the types of songs we'll be doing. Sing songs regularly as part of your daily routines, tidy up songs and goodbye songs. But also singing those just counting songs. Number five, build on children's intrinsic motivation around food. Another passion of mine. Cooking is always a really effective tool for understanding mathematics. And so I recommend cooking as often as possible with children. Not just doing it occasionally, making it a weekly affair. I, I had a little kitchen built into my uh, demountable classroom when I was teaching in reception so that we could do that. And create recipe books with the children. So you photograph each, each part of what you're making. Use simple cut measurements so they're recognising one, two, three, etc. And provide opportunities for them to cook familiar and simple recipes independently. So they might do the thing with the balance scales and the one egg and they've got to balance the other ingredients with the one egg. They can do that independently. Number six, teach children to use dice and dominoes. Children are not necessarily growing up with their family games and using dice and dominoes. Games are a really enjoyable and engaging way to reinforce maths with the early years. And it supports that instant recognition of pattern and number, that subitizing. So think, do your children know how to play dominoes? The real game of dominoes with the real dots. Has anyone ever taught them? I used to get my year sixes to come down um, and spend a bit of time, not just reading with my children, but playing dice games with them and dominoes with them. Maybe create dice games with your children to help reinforce and teach different concepts, such as doubling and counting on amounts and one-to-one -one correspondence. Make the games up. And finally, number seven. The adult is critical to the development of mathematical thinking. The words, I wonder, use those to create a partnership between the adult and the child as they explore together. I wonder how many. I wonder what would happen if. The adults will be aware of the mathematical vocabulary children will need to learn throughout the year. And so we'll introduce and use these words, these mathematical words, as a natural part of their interactions. So those are just a few of my mathematical musings, uh, which I hope you'll find helpful. 
in the midst of the ever-changing early years landscape, it's very easy to lose sight of some of the basic pedagogical principles. It's essential, therefore, that our, your whole team have a clear understanding of how young children develop their mathematical expertise, especially when you are choosing and using and evaluating certain set schemes or programmes. View them carefully through an early years lens. Many of the practical examples I've shared highlight the way our learning environments have got tremendous potential to be a powerful landscape where children can embed their mathematical learning. Used in harmony with your whole class and small group activities, we can create rich opportunities that enable young children to see maths all around them, develop their confidence and expertise, and ultimately gain a love of all things maths. If you found this useful, there's a couple of publications to explore. If you want recipe ideas, have a look at Inspiring Learning Through Cooking by Susie Strutt. And then I'm going to just advertise my own book that I wrote with Michael Jones, which is called Let's Talk About Maths. And it looks at mathematical vocabulary through everyday provision. Okay, so thank you very much to Jude for a fantastic recorded piece. Um, certainly lots to think about there. Um, lots to really get us thinking in terms of how mathematically rich our environment is. Lots to think about in terms of the role of the adult also. And also lots to consider in terms of those mathematical activities and ways to really engage young children in mathematics. So let's consider some of those questions. What about your environment? How effectively organised are your resources, not just in the maths area, but actually elsewhere around the room too, in order to promote mathematical thinking and discussions? Jude, Jude gave some really good examples of this as part of the piece, the idea of um, numbered pots with certain numbers of resources in so that children are counting things back in at tidy up time. The idea of shadow backing so that we've got discussions around shape and matching also. So really important to think about the, the mathematically rich opportunities that are there within your environment that will prompt and promote mathematical thinking and discussions as well. What else? Well, do you keep maths real for young children? OK, so are we making sure that it's meaningful to them? Because as Jude mentions, I think this is a really good point that actually learning isn't effective if we don't see it as meaningful. And that's often the case around mathematics. Often where we fall flat, I think, in terms of mathematical learning and in terms of confidence around mathematics is when we don't see it as something that's meaningful to us. So what real life mathematical opportunities do you have within your classroom? Jude gave some great examples about the home corner, you know, the real life working clock, um, kitchen timer, calendar, all of those sorts of things work really well to have within the home corner. So real life uses of number lines and number. 
She also talks, of course, about baking. Baking is a great activity, a weekly baking activity. Whether you're making the Play-Doh for the week or whether you're baking cakes or whatever it might be, a weekly baking activity, I think, is a real must if we're going to see mathematics as real. Um, growing and gardening. As we come close, as we start to gradually get closer towards spring, growing and gardening are also fantastic opportunities for mathematics, for real life mathematics too. Okay. What else? Well, Jude also talked about the importance of maths games. So she, she mentioned dominoes, playing dominoes with your children, teaching them how to play dominoes. That's a great consideration, I think. A great thing to think carefully about. Dominoes, but also board games too. How often do you play board games with your children? These can be really simple board games, teaching them how to play, talking about the rules, talking about how we can adapt the game and adapt the rules. You could also take it one step further than that and make up your own board game. You know, giving your children a grid, a simple grid, maybe a four by ten grid, and working with them to design and make up their own board game. Having mathematical conversations and mathematical discussions as part of the process of designing a game. Okay, so definitely lots to think about. I hope you found this episode useful. Remember, you can listen back to previous episodes as and when it's useful to do so. And they're great for listening together, I think, with your early years team. So really good to, I think, promote and discuss discuss your practice as a team when you're listening to some of the ideas shared within the podcast. Okay, thank you again for listening. And we will see you next week.